I just finished watching the sixth season of the show Alone. Um, The premise of the show, in case you haven't heard of it, is basically where they take 10 contestants. And these are people who have very good survival skills out in nature. They allow them to select 10 objects that they can take with them, aside from, you know, the clothes on their back. Um, They give them a shit ton of recording equipment, cameras of different sorts, tripods, batteries, memory cards, you know, like they stack them up with a ton of recording equipment for a while. And then they helicopter them out to some very remote place where they're essentially the only human being for a long, long distance. And the goal is to survive, you know, using survival skills out in the wild to survive for as long as you're able to, up to apparently up to a year. And the person who lasts until the end is declared the winner and they win half a million dollars. It's a hefty reward. And um, they also equip them with a radio, a walkie-talkie, that can be used only for the purpose of tapping out. Only for the purpose of saying, okay, uh, I've had enough. Either I can't, you know, gather enough food or hunt enough food or... I can't take the temperature or I can't take the living conditions or I'm going crazy or I miss my family too much. Whatever the reasoning is, they get only one shot at tapping out. As soon as they contact the other side of that radio, um, they're out. So the season was about 11 episodes long. And, you know, they introduce you little by little to the different contestants and you start getting to know them and you get to see some background info on them. And anyway, you know, the the show was really entertaining. It was really captivating. Actually, my daughter was the one who saw it on the Netflix feed. And um, she was like, yeah, that, that, hit play, hit play. I want to watch that. So I was like, okay, fine, let's try it out. And sure enough, we were hooked. Um, and man, it's a, <laughs> it's a show that really, it's not, it's not about the show, the concept You know, getting to see these people out in nature with no other way to survive except with the work of their hands, whether it be fishing, hunting, gathering, even though these people didn't have a lot of options for gathering, they had blueberries, and that's about the only thing that they had as far as in the way of like fruit. Um, They were out in the Arctic, apparently right before right below the line where all there is is ice and snow so they arrived there just days before the snow got to that area and i think within like i don't know 10 days or something the snow started coming or maybe 20 days or so the point is that it got real bad like sub-zero temperatures you know lakes frozen over um fishing became a tremendously difficult thing animals would come out less obviously because it's very cold they had to face off against you know other predators wolverines and foxes and wolves and you know other animals trying to take the stuff that the the, the little food that they were able to gather 
And some people got out because of basically kind of extraneous circumstances. You know, like one guy busted up his leg and apparently, you know, like he, it seems like it may have been broken. Another guy (laughs) accidentally burnt his entire shelter that he had built out of wood and stuff. And um, this was smack in the middle of like a, the worst cold. And so he had to survive one entire night because the helicopter couldn't go out there. He tapped out, he called and he tapped out. But he couldn't be picked up until the next morning because they would, it wouldn't be safe flying conditions for a helicopter. And they couldn't travel via boat because the uh, lakes were frozen. So other people were pulled. I think maybe like three or four contestants were pulled because they had not been able to gather enough food to keep themselves healthy enough that they wouldn't suffer long-term physical health consequences if they stayed longer. So they forced to pull them out and basically take them straight to a hospital because they had lost like, you know, a ridiculous percentage of their body weight, like 25% of their body weight, 30% of their body weight. Um, And then there were the people who figured it out. You know, the guy who won... He was the only person who was able to capture big game. Um, He was able to kill a moose and he quartered the moose and he smoked the meat and he was able to live off of that. But his problem became that a wolverine stole his store of fat from the moose. And so all he had left essentially was uh, the meat, you know, low fat meat. And the issue with that is that although he had protein to eat every single day, apparently there's a condition called protein poisoning or something like that, where if all you're taking in is protein with no fat, you're essentially starting to enter into a stage almost the same as starvation. So he was really close um, to getting essentially pulled out. Uh, He figured it out by fishing. He caught some fatty fish and he was able to kind of supplement the fat intake that way. But anyway, the point is that each of these people had a very different reaction to this. It was really interesting to see how the personality started going into play when you started seeing people around like day, I don't know, 50 around there. Like some folks started legitimately going nuts, man. And some of them went nuts for different reasons like for some of them it was just the fact of being alone there were some whom i identified with who would say repeat constantly like i i don't mind being alone i actually like being alone you know and they weren't suffering emotionally because of that but there were other people who really truly were like they were starting to break down literally crying weeping crying out for their family members and a couple of them broke down for that reason the loneliness just forced them to tap out for other people there was starvation you know they were literally starving and they could not catch a break when it came to snaring a rabbit or or a squirrel or you know hunting big game or catching fish you know they, they couldn't catch a break and so what would end up happening is that some people just had to realize like okay you know if i like my body cannot deliver any more labor 
without taking in nutrition. And so they had to tap out. For other people, like, like I said before, it was extraneous circumstances, you know, things that they had no other choice, you know, because they just disqualified them. Whatever accidents happened, happened, you know, it just took them out of the game. And then there were some people that, that really interested me. And there were, these were the people that from the beginning started expressing a certain relationship with nature. It was almost like if when they got there, they started exploring for the purpose of getting to know a new acquaintance. You know, like every trail that they walked, well, not trails, there weren't trails, but every time that they walked out amongst the trees, every time that they caught an animal, every time that they explored the water, every time they harvested berries, every time they cut down a tree, every time they did anything that was some form of interaction with the environment, they would almost communicate with the environment. You know, you saw a lot of cases where people would thank the animal that they had just killed because they were going to sustain their life. And I know that, you know, at first glance, that sounds really contradictory and just absurd. To, you know, perhaps to some people it sounds absurd. But that's a beautiful kind of relationship with nature because it kind of, you know, it just acknowledges the fact that there is a cycle of life and death that is part of nature, that there is a food chain that has sustained the various species in this on this planet, us included as human beings, a, a food chain that has existed for millennia. And without that food chain being in place, we wouldn't be here. Um, the fact is that, you know, we arrived at the point that we are because we were part of that food chain and certain traits and qualities that we evolved allowed us to get ahead of other species in many ways. And I find it extremely fascinating that the more that time has passed, we have retreated more and more from that relationship with nature. It's almost like we made a best friend as a species. We made a best friend. And, you know, you grow up, you graduate high school, <laughs> you go to college, and you little by little start just losing contact with that best friend. And the relationship starts getting colder and colder until it gets to a point where whenever you meet up again, it's kind of a little awkward, you know, and that's kind of how it is. Like now when we return to nature, like just speaking for myself, I I find that for me, when, when I go out and I'm in nature, I have to make a switch. I have to make a certain click in my head. I even have terms for it. Like, for example, when I tell my kids, hey, today we're going to go to a, you know, a, a natural preserve and let's go walk some trails, which is something that I love doing. Um, whenever I do that, I will sometimes tell them I have, I'm, you know, let's go into sweat mode. And for me, sweat mode is basically, it's kind of like a, a switch that I flip that I know 
that for the entire period of time that I'm out there, I am not going to give a shit about sweating. I'm not going to give a shit about, you know, getting scratched up. I'm not going to give a shit about getting, um, you know, falling, scraping myself, whatever. Sweating, bleeding, anything. Like, I, I don't care. I'm down for it. I'm ready for it. And it is, but it is a very deliberate decision. And I know that there's, you know, people for whom that state of mind is normal. And the great thing about that state of mind is that it allows me to really enjoy, embrace, appreciate, and respect whatever form of nature it is that I'm walking into in a way that I couldn't if I saw it as an inconvenience. The sweating, the scrapes, the blood, the heat, the exhaustion. If I saw those things as an inconvenience, then there's immediately something taking me out of the experience, you know? And I see that for me, that has to be a very deliberate decision to flip that switch. And for other people, it's not. For other people, it's actually something that's very, um, I don't know, it's very natural. Like that is their normal state. Almost like if for them, the weird state of affairs or of being is to not be in nature, you know, like they would rather be out in the middle of the ocean uh, or out in the middle of a forest or out in the middle of a, you know, beach, you know, whatever. They would rather be out surrounded, surrounded constantly by nature. And I feel like those people are the ones that did keep in contact with that best friend, you know, um, I remember as a kid growing up in Colombia, I grew up in Colombia from when I was born until around the age eight, which is when I came to the U.S. And growing up in Colombia, I remember that I had a very, very different relationship with nature. I craved being out in nature. I craved being out there, climbing mountains, uh, scraping clay off of mountains to then go and mix it with water and build things out of it. I, I crave being in the mud. I crave being, you know, chopping down trees. I craved building a hut in the middle of, you know, of, of a forest. Like I craved all those things. Those were the things that things like school and family time would keep me away from. But that relationship was, I don't know, lost to a degree. And this isn't the first time that I think about this. I feel like I cyclically think about this topic. And there's been other aspects of my life that happen in a similar way. Where I cyclically revisit them and then eventually it's kind of like click. It, 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 everything, the pieces fall into place. And I decide to make it a permanent part of my life. Um, I feel that my relationship with nature is like that as well. And I, I crave a moment when I can be more in surrounded by nature than not. And don't get me wrong. Look, I, I love AC. I love being cool. I love not sweating. I love, you know, comfort. I love technology. I love all those things. 
But the older that I get, the more and more my spirit yearns for connection with nature and for becoming attuned to the flow of nature. I think that's part of the reason. I don't know which one came first, whether my interest came first or the philosophy came first. And then I, I became interested in this idea. But Taoism is a philosophy and a belief system that I have become very endeared with during the, the, the last years of my life. And, you know, one in, one huge factor within Taoism is being in tune with the flow that life is taking and it very much echoes nature you know don't swim upstream don't paddle against the current let the current take you and if the current is slow or there is no current or the waters are still then stay still and if the current picks up then go with it don't fight it see where life is taking you that sort of thing uh, and I'm oversimplifying uh, there's you know much many more layers to Taoism and it's a beautiful beautiful philosophy and I've learned so much from it and it's inspired so much in me but that goes very very tight to nature and truly Taoism as a philosophy has so many influences from nature and you can see it when you read the Tao Te Ching the book that was written by Lao Tzu um, I think, um, I think that life is taking me in a certain direction. Now I can't say that I'm going to ever forsake comforts of the modern world. I can't say that I'm ever going to fully forsake, you know, technology or anything like that, because I feel like, I mean, I'm part of a generation that grew up partially with technology. You know, I built my first computer when I was 15 years old from pieces that my mom had been gifted for some reason some you know <laughs> friends of hers were giving her pieces of computer and I and I of computers and I started seeing these pieces and I started messing around with them and eventually I ended up assembling a computer from these pieces that were laying around in a closet in my house and then I connected it to the phone line one day and I popped in one of those America online uh, discs and boom <laughs> you know I was connected to the internet for the first time in my life and I had a working computer for the first time in my life and that's you know that's kind of the rest is history you know like I that was a significant step forward in my relationship with technology and technology is something that I love because it's something that's birthed from the human brain you know it's so easy to look at technology and say ah, it's artificial it's cold it's mechanical it's there's no life in it but I don't see it that way you know, every piece of machinery that is in existence is something that came out of a man or a woman's brain. It's something that was developed by a human being. There was thought and creativity and ingenuity put into that thing. And it's not easy for me to just dismiss it as a cold, lifeless thing. I think that technology is something that will always hold a special place in my life. And I've actually explored with ways in in which to to make my relationship with technology not a toxic one 
And I, during the last years of my life, I found myself little by little disconnecting more and more from dependence throughout my days on technology to the point where I can spend an entire day disconnected from technology, reading a book, drawing something, you know, something that has nothing to do with a screen or listening to stuff. And I can be at peace. And I feel like that's a significant thing, you know. So I do think, though, that I want if, if it's a matter of ratios, if it's a matter of a scale, I want the side of nature to eventually tip down lower than the side of technology or non-nature, if you want to call it that. And I think my path in life is taking me there. And, you know, I'm 37 years old. I'm excited for, you know, my 40s, for instance, because I do have plans and plans that are, you know, so far fruitful. Um, I do have plans of advancing and I have plans of, you know, obtaining more means to take further steps in life and achieve, you know, new kind of levels that I want to achieve in life. And it has nothing to do with, you know, a ton of possessions. It has nothing to do with luxuries. That, that kind of thing doesn't really draw me in. It has more to do with lifestyle. You know, it matters to me a great deal that by the time I arrive at my old age, my lifestyle is kind of ready for that time of my life. And my relationship with nature really does play a big part in that. Maybe, I don't know, some other time in the future, pillow thought, I'll, uh, I'll get into some of those dreams. I'm happy that I found a partner in my life, my girlfriend Gwen, who has a very similar outlook. And I'm really looking forward to kind of, you know, seeing how my life progresses after I become an empty nester, after my kids, you know, become independent and her kids as well. You know, we've talked a lot about what that next stage can look like. And I think we both agree that closeness to nature is a a thing we both want. Well, I think that concludes tonight's pillow thought. Thank you guys for joining me here on my bed. Um, remember to hit subscribe or follow so you catch the next episode. And uh, until then, thank you guys so much for joining me. Really appreciate it.